0: Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Lauren Smith is the hostess for Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio, which has been on air for over a decade and has completed over 300 shows. Lauren brings with her a unique viewpoint given that she is not only the daughter of one of the veteran female Bigfoot researchers in the South, but she has been conducting field research since she was a preteen some 20 years ago. Nightcallers is a Bigfoot world favorite and along with interviewing researchers and witnesses often features interviews with guests from the documentary film and entertainment industry. Lauren also does a vidcast segment called Nightcallers, which features real encounters sent in by viewers. You can find all of this and more at nightcallersproductions.com. Welcome back to a Bigfoot Society Rewind, uh, which means I'm going to play a classic episode of Bigfoot Society that I don't think a lot of people remember. This one's pretty cool. This is way back... 2020 i believe uh, april and this is an interview i did with shane corson from the olympic project so this might be one that you're not able to remember but it's it's pretty cool uh you're gonna like it so sit back relax enjoy the end of your year with a classic episode from bigfoot society past with shane corson from the olympic project All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Bigfoot Society uh, podcast. And we have the privilege this time of talking with Mr. Shane Corson. Uh, Shane is involved with all sorts of cool stuff, uh, Bigfoot, and I'll have him talk about that in a minute. But uh, the way that I picture it is uh, doing research into Shane. It's kind of like if you have the Marvel Avenger movies. And, you know, Agent Colson is there at the beginning. And then when you start to look for Agent Colson, he's everywhere. So, I mean, you are, you have your hands in everything, sir. Uh, would you mind going ahead and um, kind of, what's a brief summary of who you are and what you've done in the Bigfoot community over the last few years, I guess? We'll start there.
1: Okay. Well, I, I don't claim to have done anything, but I'll tell you, I was uh, born and raised in Scotland. Uh, had an interest in cryptids as a youngin'. I uh, was always fascinated with, uh, of course, living in Scotland, you're fascinated with the Loch Ness Monster and Yeti and, and other cryptids that are, you know, uh, around the world. Always fascinated with the, the subject of Sasquatch. Moved over to the States in 93. Okay. Still, still fascinated with the Sasquatch phenomena. I really did not start uh, getting into. Uh, Sasquatch research or what I thought was Sasquatch research until about 97. And that's kind of when I got my wheels and was able to travel doing research in Southern California, where we moved to uh, around San Bernardino mountain uh, Julian area. Um, And then definitely um, Yosemite was on my radar uh, for a number of years. Uh, Yosemite was fascinating to me. Talked to a lot of great individuals, uh, individuals that had encounters but I personally never found anything, uh, during my years in California, uh, eventually moved up to Oregon. Uh, okay. got married, moved up to Oregon in 2008 and that's mm. really where I started hitting the ground heavy Lucky. up in Oregon Yep, and wow. I had an encounter in 2011 that, uh, solidified the existence of Sasquatch for me. Okay. And from there, I realized that, uh, being a one man band, somebody that, uh, is going about their business by themselves was not very productive. Uh, I realized that I really wasn't doing research. I was investigating stuff. Um, I read every book out there, yeah. been online. Uh, I really had no contacts at that point. I talked to a few individuals and eventually got involved with the Olympic Project um, mm-hmm. after my encounter and, and uh, got involved with like Cliff Berrickman and those individuals. Very cool. And uh, that's kind of r- really jumped uh, my research in, in joining a group and realizing that there's more to research than what you think. And I really wasn't conducting research. Now I'm now up in Washington state, um, okay. up in you know Western Washington here, uh, where we do a lot of research and I work, you know, I'm one of the core members of the Olympic project now, and I work with a amazing and fantastic group of like-minded individuals, both from the layman world and the academic world. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. I've been working on a lot of projects. Uh, I've been around the block. um, And there's a lot of cool stuff going on now. There's a lot of cool stuff that's happened. So uh, I'm very proud to be working with the individuals that I work with and collaborating with them. And, um, you know, I'm always an optimist. Uh, A lot of people get frustrated in this field. Not me. I see all sorts of opportunities. In fact, right before this this interview here i just got off the phone with somebody that's working on an amazing project very scientific project and so mm. always uh things going on behind the scenes very cool very cool
0: um uh where to start so yeah there's a lot of ways we could go um so if i'm sure my listeners listen to bigfoot and beyond with uh cliff and bobo as well you had a fantastic episode on that and you referenced something that I I wanted to ask you. If you had been in the room, I would have asked you right there. Um, so you mentioned the Olympic project. And I believe what you mentioned was that in the coming year, you would actually be having um, primatologists coming to the area. Did I get that right from the episode? Or maybe did I hear that Um
1: uh, correctly. are you talking about the nest area?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We've actually already had primatologists, uh, okay. Come out. yeah, we've had primatologists come out to this area. We've had bear biologists come out to this area. We've had, um, anthropologists, uh, archaeologists we've had, oh, wow. uh, even zoologists, uh, which was the most recent uh, okay. two individuals came out from a certain zoo here in the United States, not in Washington, but a certain zoo. I okay. can't mention it, but, yep. uh, they came out and, and we really wanted to get their feedback on, uh, you know, these nests uh, when it comes to known primate behavior, these individuals work directly with chimpanzees, bonobos, uh, mm. silverback gorillas. So we really wanted to get their feel on, on these nests uh, because they're not bear nests and they're not, uh, they're definitely nests and they're formulated. Um, Dr. Meldrum's talked about uh, these nests loads of time. So it's cliff. They both been out to the area and helped us collect samples. So, yes, we brought in a lot of academic individuals out there because we're not, you know, I'm not a, a scientist. I'm not an academic individual. I'm, I'm a, a, an explorer. I find stuff, I collect stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll visually analyze stuff, but I have my limits and I recognize those. Mm-hmm. And so you got to bring in sure. people with the right eye. So yeah, we've done that. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh If, if so, if uh listeners do not know the nest we are talking about, of course, so, um yeah. You can fill in details as we go along, of course, but there's, so you have access to a, an area of land where it had not been touched for, was it 40 years? Um, uh, yeah. 50 plus years. Yeah. 50 plus years. So uh, like a logging company. Um, and uh, there's these nests that were found on there. And I mean, they're big enough for, I believe uh, I was either you or Cliff said that you could lay down mm. in the nest and it was quite comfortable. And um man it's just it's fascinating there is one part where it's like you're saying from one nest you could see the other nests mm-hmm. and i thought that that was very fascinating
1: yeah the the huckleberry so all these yes. nests uh, there's 22 nests found to date uh spread yeah. along a ridge line and they're spread out on fingers or saddles or ridges depending where you're from the country <laughs> everybody calls it something different but you have a ridge line with a finger or a ridge or a saddle coming down and they're spread out on multiple saddles, fingers, ridges, or, um, and whatnot. And, uh, they're, they're definitely formulated. They've been constructed intelligently. Mm-hmm. They're not, uh, something mm-hmm. that's been haphazardly put together. And by what I, what I meant when I said, uh, and when I say that you can see from nest and nest, well, that's, that's on purpose. The huckleberry yeah. branches have been stripped co- completely of leaves, whether uh, that was a food source or on purpose to see wow. from nest, to nest, to nest. And in there, they're uh, very strategically placed these nests, but yeah, you can see every nest and they range in size from, uh, you know, about three feet to about nine feet in size and circumference. So, I mean, huge, huge and, That's and awesome. over a foot in, in depth. I mean, just huge, a lot of material. That is very,
0: very cool. Um, a question I, I also thought of the other day is so, uh, of course, right now we're in the middle of the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. How has that affected the work of the Olympic project?
1: Tremendously. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, nobody gets paid to do Sasquatch research. We sure all have day jobs. Uh, we have families. And so it's really, um, there's a lot of stuff we can do at home. And fortunately, we do have access to, you know, when it comes to research, we do have access to uh, timberland. We have gate keys and whatnot. And that's where we conduct a lot of our business. But this whole COVID thing, regardless of what you think of it and how it's affected you, it's affected everybody. Economically, socially, you name it. And so um, I can speak for a lot of uh, enthusiasts, Bigfoot researchers, uh, you name it, that uh, it's affected it big time. You can't get into some areas that you used to be able to get into legally. (laughs) I mean, sure, I'm sure people are sneaking out. Uh, Here in Washington, (laughs) um, they closed down. uh, It's opening up May 5th. Uh, all the trails and parks and whatnot, but it's affected it tremendously. And what re- it's really done for the aluminum project recently, um, kind of jumping ahead here, we, we've come across some newer nests. Uh, finally oh, after wow. searching for four years, five years now, we came across a new nest. Um, I'm not, I can't really get into the details right now, Okay. but, uh, a partner of mine by the name of, uh, Uh, Todd Hale, he's a a, a project member. We were out scouting an area that Derek Randles and I had scouted uh, two weeks prior. Well, we went back out to this area and uh, came across something physically making a nest. Did not see it, but spooked it. Sounded very large, sounded bipedal. Oh, wow. And oh, it was was quite the experience. Um, And I won't get into that right now. That's uh, some stuff we're working on. But we did come across a nest in the making or multiple nests in the making. And we came across a lot of other really unique Man. and very cool tidbits to this that uh it proved a lot of things to us so we were in the right area uh mm. the right time of year the right circumstances and we just got really lucky and walked upon something making a new nest but to go back to your your question well I, I have uh some samples um that i've collected that we've collected as a whole as a one project that i got i can't send it anywhere right now you know it mm, uh, and yeah. and it's um, it sucks because some of these samples, you know, they 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 go to junk after a while. It's time sensitive sort of stuff, um, and some you know, you know, we got some hair samples, for example. Uh, some mm-hmm. of that you could visually analyze, but to do any real work on it, it's man, it's really been. It was just this whole virus is the worst timing, and we talked about that yeah. as a group. The worst timing yeah. ever, unfortunate, but upwards and onwards. You keep plugging away, and and we'll see if we anything yeah. comes from this. No promises, no guarantees, but exciting Uh, tells me we're we're doing something right regardless you can say regardless of what's making these nests um we we came across whatever was making it fresh and that's that's awesome that that is really exciting and um
0: maybe you can start to see a pattern like okay it's this time of year you know who knows the data that you'll get from this like this that is super exciting and that's you said that's very recent that that happened
1: yeah, this happened back in February, so wow. I mean, super recent and um, very cool. The, uh, the 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 real key there is that we we hypothesized originally that the older nest that we had uh, we were led to we didn't discover the old old nest. They were discovered originally by a timber cruiser in a really remote area doing his job. Mm-hmm. So these these areas aren't places you go hiking in, you go uh, hunting in, exploring in. They're off trail. They're hard to get to. They're, it's a nightmare. And he came across them. Well, we we started to mimic what he was doing uh, for mm. years, and possibly came across some very very old nest. Uh, so we're like, oh, we're kind of on the right track, maybe we don't know. And then we come across this, and that was in the month of February again, with the same elements. You got the salmon coming up these creeks. You got yep. uh, a lot of things going for you. So you're right; it does add value to that, and and it's exciting. Tells us we're on yeah. the right track.
0: Oh man, that is that is very cool. Um, You've also been involved with um <clears throat> the uh the Devil's Creek project. And uh that was uh a few years ago where that where there was a lot of that, you know, uh, those stories going around and you know what was going on. Would you be able to kind of um you know, there's a chance there's some listeners that, you know, when I say Devil's Creek, they they might not know what I'm talking about, but would you be able to maybe uh give a summary of um that scenario. And then, um, you'd mentioned before our call started that, uh, you actually have, uh, some, some new things that you can share, some things you can't because it's, you know, um, special situation, but yeah, if you go ahead with that, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So s- several years ago, Derek Randles was contacted by an individual by the name of Donna. Um, mm-hmm. her husband's name is Greg up here in Western Washington on the East side of the Olympics, and they had a lot of suspicious activity going on on their property. Well, Donna's husband, Greg, he worked all around, he, he works all around the country. She so was rarely home, and Donna had all the stuff, weird stuff happening, noises, um, uh, stuff happening on the property. And her husband, Greg, when he was home, would witness some of this. The majority seemed to happen when she was home, but he got to witness a lot of um, unique things, especially audio, things mm-hmm. they found on their property. And so they got a hold of Derek Randall's, of the Olympic project and he came out and, um, Derek's not an audio guy. Uh, and so he, he got them in touch with David Ellis of the Olympic project mm-hmm. who is like the audio guru. He looks at yes. audio visually on a, a sonic visualizer program. And so he's not just listening cause your ear will play tricks on you, but if you can visually analyze something and listen to it, it really adds value and you can exactly. compare those, um, recorded sounds to the Macaulay library of sounds. For example, so you have a context and, and a baseline to compare unknown sounds, at least unknown to you. Um, and so David and Donna really started, uh, play, you know, placing audio recorders on the property. Well, I mean, uh, to backtrack a little bit, um, Donna had a sighting uh, near her property. Um, you know, when they were driving up the road to their property, just down the road in, in what uh, it's been coined devil's Creek. And let me clarify something uh, there is no Devil's Creek. You know, there's no Devil's Creek. It, it was a name made up by a third party <laughs> that got involved. Um, and, you know, at first, a lot of us were, really didn't like the name Devil's Creek because uh, okay. there are Devil's Creeks around the country. Th- this was a pseudo name, just a made up name. Um, we stuck with it mainly because there was a lot of individuals trying to find this area and we, it, we wanted to throw them off. They, you know, they were trying to, yeah. there's a lot of clever people out there. That was very smart. Yeah, yeah, they find spots. So we stuck yeah. with Devil's Creek, not, not the greatest name and um, a little bit disingenuous, but there was a reason behind that. Sure. Now, um, don't get me wrong. There's a lot, that creek uh, plays a huge role uh, in this whole uh, experience, this phenomenon. And so um, after David L. started recording stuff, Donna you know, previously had a, her sighting, um, I started getting involved in going up there, placing audio, And um, I spent quite a few nights out there on the property, had some of my own experiences, no no sightings. And I do have clear equipment. I tried very thick, um, hilly area. Mm. And uh, it wasn't like every night. It was uh, every once in a while. But this went on for several years. And I did get the chance. Donna called me up one day um, and said, basically, backtrack a little bit some more. um, Donna and Greg actually moved out of that house planning on renting it or possibly selling it. They, oh. they got a, another house. Um, uh, well not nearby, but you know, about hours away from this place, they got another house. So they're paying two mortgages and they wanted mm. to do something with this property, but they knew that it was important for research. And so they weren't mm. ready to give it up. I mean, God bless them. Cause it, yeah. we, we did record a lot of neat stuff on the, the property, experienced a lot of neat stuff. Um, and as as they were living on this separate property, they were trying to fix up this house, and they hired a a contractor, a contracting business to come up and fix one of their – like a, kind of a guest house slash garage. And lo and behold, um, this guy – this con- one of the contractors had a siding, possibly two sidings in the area, um, and he knew nothing about – the Bigfoot phenomenon going on, on the property. He knew nothing about it. I interviewed. That's the, the
0: best part. That's the best part where
1: he's like, ah,
0: "It's a little weird. I don't know what's has gone." That's exactly, awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yep. Uh, uh, yep. You know, um, we talked about this in on uh, Monster X Radio, my podcast. But okay. the point being is that it was just it was phenomenal. And uh, you know, and going through this area over the years and, and studying this area, um, some of the elderly neighbors that live uh, close by, one of the the women who has an apple orchard in this area. She knew there was Sasquatch. She straight up told Donna Mm -hmm. one day without Donna really, you know, insinuating anything. Yeah, it's Sasquatch. It's up in this area. So there's a lot of uh, collaboration there, a lot of ideas there where other people are aware of this. Other people have seen something and and there's no, it's not that they're having a discussion on Sasquatch. It just pops up. Okay. Um, Yeah. And then historically in this area, um, there's multiple reports. The only project that's taken in personally, I've had people that are close in, in the know of this area that have. Uh, Talked about other reports from neighbors and and people within a couple of square miles, uh, Mm. and some of the lakes in this area. There's reports. So why why Donna was having this activity on the property? I don't know. Um, You know, she was home alone. Her house was like a lot of really big windows where something from the forest line could watch her. There was apple orchards in the area. Um, A lot of hypothesizing here, but uh, no doubt she had a tremendous amount of activity on this property. Now, uh, fast forward. Um there were some unfortunate events that took place. Uh unfortunately Don and Greg sold the property mm. um and they no longer have access to the property. Um oh, there's man. still stuff going on in some adjacent areas that I follow, but it's not an area you can get into okay. without getting into trouble. And it's private property and all that stuff. So it's a real shame there. But I get that's terrible. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, paying two mortgages and just that Donna did not feel comfortable staying there anymore and sure. they had to leave. So um, as far as devil's Creek's concerned, um, there's not really anything ongoing there now, as far as research, I'm not been in contact with the new inhabitants. They're not aware of any of the stuff that went on there. I'm not sure if they're experiencing anything. Um, that
0: that's a story in itself. It's like, did they know what they were getting into buying that property? And like, if they're just slowly, I, I don't think it would be slow. I think it would be quick that they would figure out like, Uh, there's something going on here, you know, who knows? Right.
1: I mean, all bets are off. I don't know. Uh, I do know that there's still some occasional activity in that general area. I still get reports from that area. I do still visit some of the the adjacent areas, Uh, but it's not, you know, as far as the property is concerned, I don't get, I can't get access to that. And uh, definitely in my, my, my personal opinion, they definitely have Sasquatch stuff going on. I mean, no doubt about it with, with the multiple sightings from different individuals And the things that have occurred with me, I've had uh, rocks thrown and stuff like that. And um, I couldn't spend enough time there. I really wanted to capture something on a flare. And I spent many nights there by myself, edge of the property, had a lot of experience. I never got anything on flare. The brush is so thick and and whatever it was would never get close enough for me to get on flare. (laughs) So it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Man, thanks for sharing that. That's. That's a
1: really cool update. I had no
0: idea that that had Yeah, that's that not happened. really good yeah. shared. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I'll, t- you
1: never, you I'll tell you real quick. I'll tell you, Don and Greg, sorry to interrupt you. Don and Greg are two fantastic, phenomenal individuals. I have the, the utmost respect for them. Um, Donna and uh, David Ellis did phenomenal audio work on the property. And uh, I know Donna is very thankful for David Ellis and, and Derek and myself. Uh, two stand-up individuals that didn't ask for this; it just happened, and they were willing to go along and, and do what they could to a certain extent. And unfortunately, things didn't work out um, with, with their lives and, and with the property. But the chance to um, to get involved with one of these rare occurrences where you have this consistent activity happening on the property—not necessarily year-round, but consistently—that's the sort of places you want to be in. Because I'm not a—I'm not per se an ambulance chaser. I don't. You know, mm-hmm. those days are past. I don't, uh, you know, Derek Randall, some the Limp Project, the, the co-founder of the olymp Project taught me this years ago. You know, he, he for years uh, he's been in research since 1985 and he used to go to Idaho. I mean, living in Washington, would go to Idaho at the drop of a hat looking for uh, you know, if there was an encounter, he'd drive out there or wherever. Mm-hmm. And okay. you can get a lot of good information on that, but it's almost, you know, the, the crime's done and to find a, a, place where there's a lot of activity and it's ongoing, that's really not ambulance chasing. You're trying to do a conductive study there and figure out what's going on. True. So that's that that's something I think when those uh occurrences happen, and it's happened a few times in my experience uh with, with this research and 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 some others, that's the places you really want to be.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Um I'm gonna throw out uh a random uh left field question just to see if anything sticks. I'll switch. Doesn't, we'll go to somewhere else. <sighs> so you've had all these, um, you know, you're focused on Bigfoot. Um, I'm in uh, this the Midwest area. We have a lot of like um, things flying around, Thunderbirds, stuff like that. Have you yeah. ever run into any, Weird stuff. I don't know. Is that a thing where those actually will come up in the Pacific Northwest, like um, large flying cryptids or anything like that, or not really a thing that you, you run up against?
1: Uh, well, here's the thing, you know, growing up, I was involved in, interested in a lot of cryptids, not involved. I was interested in all sorts of cryptids. So I'm well burst on a lot of cryptids up here in the Pacific okay. Northwest. I mean, you go to Portland and, and you know that there's a big sign that says, keep Portland weird down in yeah, Oregon. No, it's, right? it's, so it, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it is weird. Uh, the, you know, mm. the Pacific Northwest is a weird spot. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, things that, you know, people will claim to see, you know, they have a uh, Cadbarosaurus on the coast that, uh, apparently it's a, like a water cryptid it oh, goes wow. from San Francisco all the way up to Alaska, they call it caddy. Um, mm. there's, um, the, of course the, the large Thunderbirds, uh, there's, you know, pterodactyl pteranodon sightings. Apparently you got UFO sightings. Um, I personally never seen any of that stuff and I spend, I mean, I live in the woods and I spend ungodly amount of time in the woods. I've never personally come across, you know, I've never seen any weird orbs or lights, um, you know, none of that stuff, but you do hear stories uh, from credible people that claim to have seen, you know, Cadbarosaurus or um, a a flying cryptid that's much larger and acting peculiar. Uh, You do have people claiming to see, lights in the woods or UFOs. I mean, uh, Washington state, you know, I think one of the really first big UFO sightings was around Mount Rainier back in, Ooh, what the sixties, fifties or seventies, I forget, uh, mm. flying discs. Uh, so it's an area where there's a lot of stuff that happens up here and different cryptids, you know, uh, we you know mainly though, uh, my focus and mainly what I come across is Sasquatch sightings up yeah, here. Yeah, and it, it's way more prevalent than people will ever guess, you know, for every, you know, one sighting you hear about or two sightings you hear about. There's, I mean, I can only imagine how many more sightings are out there that, you know, from people that are either not willing to talk or just don't have an opportunity to talk about it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, You'd mentioned before that you have actually, you spent time in the Yosemite area um, early on. Um, Can you go in? I've actually, so I visited that area. It's a beautiful area. And, I'll just, I'll paint a little picture. Um, When we drove there from um, Cupertino area, you lose cell service Mm. uh, like in like two hours outside of the park. It Mm -hmm. felt like it was nuts. And there was a part when we were like driving around in this little electric car up these Hills and like, we had to stop. And literally if you had stepped, you always hear people say this, if you stepped A foot off the road you would be lot like you'd be done it was prehistoric and it was amazing Um, do you have any um, you know can you recall anything that happened uh, around that area or like any uh, cool stories about researching that area or
1: yeah I mean uh, so from uh, when I uh, one of my Old girlfriends worked at Yosemite, and that really was a, a oh nice a, a kick in the pants to get up there even more so. But Yosemite, went my first, I remember going through um, a tunnel and coming to an area, Inspiration Point, and seeing mm-hmm. the Yosemite Valley, and it was was absolutely amazing. Um, a guy yeah. from Scotland that got to witness that, you know, I was you know enthralled. I could see why you know Theodore Roosevelt and some of these others, you know, said this is God's country. It's just amazing mm-hmm. country, just amazing. So. I fell in love with it. And and of course I heard about all these Sasquatch reports in the Sierras and Yosemite and all that. So I made it a point, you know, even though from, I lived in San Diego, it was like 11, 12 hour drive. I would do it as much mm. as I could. And I did it for years. Yeah. Wow. Amazing area. Um, I've been all around Yosemite backpacking Yosemite. I've been up to half Dome. I've been all around El Cap, um, oh, wow. Yosemite falls. I've been all around there and I always like to backpack, you know, um, off trail and off country. I personally, you know, I've had a lot of bear encounters up there, a ton of bear encounters. There's bears really? up there galore. Oh, oh yeah. Man. I'm chasing from my camp up there. Uh, I never ha- personally had a Bigfoot encounter up there. I, I came across one impression I thought was interesting. Could have mm-hmm. been a double bear stamp. Um, the most interesting thing that um that I took away from Yosemite besides just that it's, it's so vast. And um, you know, there's um, a lot of people that go there. Um, I talked to a, a former park ranger she was a female and she was um working the El Cap area below the base okay um near a hotel out there and she had something throwing rocks at her and when she looked up from this little bluff uh she saw this black shadow and it took off bipedally up the hill and i heard oh, that wow. first person now we're talking uh 97 through about 2006 is kind of the time frame i would go up there really okay. i didn't uh, back in 97 i had a beeper i didn't really have a cell phone <laughs> you know so um <laughs> it wasn't like uh I could get cell phone reception anyways, but uh, that's awesome. You know, there are a lot of missing people in that area, but I'll tell you, it's easily, it, you can get lost up there easy. And, um, I mean, the last time I was there last summer, um, I I realized I will never go there during the height of the season. I took my family down there. Mm -hmm. They'd never been there. My eight year old daughter and my wife, we took them out. I took them out there on our way down to San Diego, driving down from Washington we stood, uh, we, we sat in our car for over an hour trying to get into the park. It was oh, a nightmare. Man, really? There's so many people, millions of people. Wow. Millions of, I forget the number, but it's over a million people that go through the park every year. You got that many people come through a park yeah. and you got a lot yeah. of tourists from out of the country. They don't speak English that, that had no business being in the woods. People are going to get hurt and people are going to disappear. So it's no shock to me that I always get, well, Yosemite's is a hotspot. Well, yeah, but there's when you have that number of people that go through that area, it's to be expected. You know, I, I can't count how many times that I came across hurt people or lost people out there while I was hiking and uh, the mountain oh, really? dangers out there. Oh, yeah, oh. all the time. I mean, I, I experienced that up here in the Pacific Northwest hiking in the Olympics. There's sure people that are unprepared or ill prepared and don't know what they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, Yosemite, I, I have no doubt there's probably Sasquatch down there. I just, you know, in talking to a few people that had experiences, really solidified that for me, but I never had an encounter down there. Uh, but, you know, when you live t- 11, 12 hours away and you're kind of like uh, glorified yep. camping because you're just doing it for a weekend or four days or whatever, you can only do so much. And it's an area that you need to live in. The Sierras, beautiful, tons of wildlife. And if you think Yosemite is primordial or, you know, you know, Jurassic Park-ish, uh, come up to mm-hmm. uh, Washington State or Oregon, specifically Washington State up in the Olympics, where you got moss oh, and, and rainforest. I've been it's- there.
0: Crazy. I've been there. Yeah. We Good. we hike we hike the whole uh a whole rainforest.
1: Oh whole oh, rainforest is crazy. Yeah. It's
0: nuts. Um primordial. Yeah, we've been to the the forks area and and all that. Um that's a different story. But the whole rainforest is simply beautiful. Oh it, unexpected part of the trip, definitely. Yeah, amazing. Um, man. As we start to kind of get towards the end of our time here um, what is, what is kind of next for, I know the Olympic project is, is probably the main focus of your, your time with squatching. Um, is there, uh, anything that maybe you can, um, I tease us with something that you guys are, are working towards, or I guess you did say that you, you found these new mat new vest, which, uh, nests, which are huge. That's, that's a, a huge deal. Cause you thought that you, that was a dead end, but then finding new ones, that's incredible.
1: Um, so, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, so, you know, this initial nest site that was uh, discovered by this timber cruiser was probably the most exciting thing and still is the most exciting thing I've ever worked on based on a number of factors based on just so many different things. And, you know historically speaking, there's been other nests found, but just not this many and not studied like this. Where you have unknown uh, hair that matches primate hair, as Dr. Meldrum will tell you, you have awesome. um, nests formulated and constructed. Uh, the huckleberry breaks and snaps, and every, how it was formulated, you needed a posable thumb. You had rocks that had score marks found. You had bush nests off the ground that were constructed like the ground nests. Um, so, still, it, it was and still is the most exciting thing now. Going forward, well, finally, after four years, we've come across some possibly new nests. But so actually cool. being, I just, you know, and, and all we had as a goal as a team was to find n- more nests and yeah. n- as new as can be. I had no idea that we were going to come across something making a nest oh, man. as it was that being so made. Cool. And um, now we got, all, we got some samples, we got some casts of different things. Wow. that i'll eventually release uh we've had um Very some cool. really key people involved with helping us cast this stuff and so going forward really it's uh we're just um, we're not ambulance chasing we're studying this one area this mm-hmm. one vast area yep. Yep. as much as we can collecting audio you know we do use some troll cameras but lightly uh, yeah. and uh, we're just you know studying the area getting to know all the known animals in this area all the sounds they make so that we can roll in or roll out what we're recording. If it's suspicious, um, collecting data from the, this new nest site, looking for new nest sites, but at the same time, we're also, here's the thing, something's making these nests and making them for a reason. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of you, when you're out there and you feel guilty because you disturbed something and the amount of work that went into making like even this new nest, this, Mm -hmm. it was in the, you know, the process of making it, The, the amount of work when, my partner i disrupted it you know when i got back to our camp because it was in the evening we just kind of we backed out of there it was getting dark went on I, you know i don't care what's making it. i didn't want to disturb it and mm-hmm. didn't know if we were in a good spot to be disturbing anything basically uh, mm-hmm. so we went back in there the next day with a few more people and discovered what we discovered but part of you feels guilty for disrupting something making that uh, but you know it is what it is and uh, yeah. you know and we'll study that area you know it's disturbed so we're we're constantly looking for new nests. At the same time, we're also trying to be, not jerks. You know, um, you know, if something's <laughs> making a, a nest for a little one or a baby or a newborn, you know, who are we to go in these areas and disturb them and uh, disrupt point. that that That's amount a of work? So it's yeah. a catch-22. Uh, the yeah. same, you know, science moves on, but at the same time, uh, you know, I I don't want to. I'd rather come find the nest later after it's been departed. Yep, you know exactly so that's yeah. kind of where we're at and that's what we're focused on is finding new nests and studying these nests and learning everything we can about these net new nests and 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 the LM project is not about proving sound exist we're about studying what we already pretty much know to exist the majority of our Limit project members uh, we do have skeptics and, and those individuals that never had an encounter but we're about collecting as much data so When that day comes across, that uh, Sasquatch is proven, we already have everything laid out there for academia to look at. You're good to go. And uh, yeah, it's so fun. And it gets us out in the woods, which we enjoy, and we have a great group. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're still spending
0: a lot of good time in nature, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, If people want to uh, keep track of what you're doing, what is the best, uh, the best, uh, things for them to look at website or social media, what have you?
1: Yeah. So we have, um, our website is, it's still, we're still building upon this and working on it. A lot of us, like I said, are, we have Dave jobs, so it's hard to keep up, but we do keep up. So Olympicproject.com, you can send emails there, um, anything audio and all that you can share and we will get back to you at some point in time. David Ellis kind of really leads that, pardon me, at this point in time. Um, of course I do host my own podcast called monster X radio and mm-hmm. you can reach, um, me or, or my partner, Gunnar Monson at monster radio, uh, one gmail.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I'm on Facebook, Shane Corson. So if you got any, you know, you can reach out to me on Facebook at Shane Corson and yeah, on Instagram, Twitter and all that stuff. But, um, the dot is probably the best way. And we have lots of resources and lots of individuals on there. David Ellis, Derek Randall's, myself, um, just a ton of, uh, you know, Cindy Dosen, a, a ton of different individuals from different backgrounds and different fields that may be able to help you out or just check out the website. And, uh, it'll be updated even more so down the road here.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you again, Shane, for coming on tonight and spending a little bit of, of time with uh, Bigfoot society podcast and uh, some, some pretty cool updates i'm I'm sure all the listeners out there will be checking out uh the uh olympic project website and uh keeping track of what you guys find next so thank you again sir thank you jeremiah appreciate it yep have a uh have a good night you too thanks for taking your time out of your busy day and spending some time with us uh go ahead and uh, subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Leave a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and uh, your preferred podcast platform. And um, if you have any stories, you can give us an email at BigfootSociety at gmail.com. And again, check out the articles we have and more. Preferred book lists at BigfootSocietyPodcast.com. You can always go to Instagram at BigfootSociety. And we have a TikTok now. It gets pretty crazy there. Bigfoot bigfoot.society. At Bigfoot.society. If you'd like to support the Bigfoot Society podcast and help us keep the lights on, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And for a low cost per month, you can get your very own Bigfoot Society membership card in the mail. We'll see you there. Thanks again for taking your time listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. We'll see you next week. Uh, Next Saturday will be a new episode. And also if you want to take part In the live taping of the episode and put your questions in there for the guest, just remember to subscribe to the Bigfoot Society YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss out on any of those episodes. Thanks again all, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion ethnic group club organization company individual or anyone thank you